Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you all. Us Days at U.S. Cellular. Exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers could get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Visit uscellular.com for terms and restrictions. The recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Cold as a razor blade, as tight as a tourniquet, like the skin on a dying man. I don't want a piece of the world. I want the whole world. I make my own roof because it's much easier that way. Trust me. What's up, everybody? It's Marcus D'Angelo, and we are back for another episode of The Snake Pit. And of course, you know this man here. That is the Hall of Famer, master of the DDT, my personal hero, Jake the Snake Roberts. Jake, what's going on, man? Oh, it's all good, man. A happy new year to everybody. And it's, I know I'm a week late, but so what? Uh, hey, that's all right. Take what I give you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's uh look, last week you weren't able to give us anything. You were doing a little traveling for the new year, yeah, which is man. which is fine. I'm glad you guys got out. So before yeah. we talk about before we talk about what we did last week instead, uh what were you doing? Oh man, I was tearing it up in Atlantic City, man. All right. Yeah. I mean, if you go to Atlantic City to see shows, forget about it. They they only had one show going on and it was the shits. Oh no, what so. was it? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't even remember the name of it. It was horrible. But anyway, that, that's all we had. Well, they, I take that back. They had a, a, a concert with Pitbull. Okay. I, I'm sorry. I'm not a Pitbull fan. Jake the Snake Roberts is not a Pitbull fan. No, I'm not. <laughs> I, I, I hope I, it doesn't I bother him. If it does, good. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> Well, here's, I mean, the main event when you go to Atlantic City is the gambling. Jake, tell me you walked out of there with a pocket full of money. I did, but it was my own. Uh, <laughs> so you didn't lose anything. Oh, yeah, I lost a couple of grand. Oh, shit. It happens. Strikes and gutters, dude. Hey, um, it was entertainment, man. That's the important thing. You had some yeah. fun out there. What a fun way to spend your new year. And what we did yeah. last week here on the show to celebrate the new year was we had a special guest fill in for you. And it was none other than a guy who credits you with being a massive, massive influence on his career. It's Tommy Dreamer. Well, I appreciate that, Tommy. Hopefully he didn't learn all my bad problems and uh, bullshit that I got him to, which I don't think he did. 
<laughs> but I really appreciate him standing in for us, man. I, thank you very much, Tommy. Man, he's a great guy, and and like I said, I mean, he's like a wrestling historian when it comes to you and your career. Like he was he was yeah. throwing back to you know your your Georgia and Mid Atlantic days, and just like talking about like what you meant to him. He even said that you know when you pulled that angle with uh, Dusty Rhodes where you were Santa Claus, yeah, and uh, whipped everybody into a frenzy. He was like, I hated Jake from that time until he was in Mid South. <laughs> and then after that, he was like, when I saw him in WWE, I was like, I, he was like, I just couldn't help but like the guy. All right. <laughs> so, so I mean, Jake, it's got to feel good. Like a guy like Tommy Dreamer is such a legacy talent himself and a guy who's made yeah. such a mark on wrestling. A guy like yeah. that, like looks up to you as kind of like a, a mentor almost. Yeah, it's, it's a great feeling for me. It really is. Speaks volumes about you, and uh, we're going to continue to tell your stories here on the show. And this week, we're doing something really fun and interesting. It's Royal Rumble season, so we're winding the clock back 35 years to January 89 and your continued situation with Andre. So just to inform our listeners who may not know, I also do podcasts with Ted DiBiase and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Thanks to our friend Jake here for making the connection. And it occurred to me that I have an opportunity to do something really kind of unique. All of you guys were at this event, participated, had your own little uh, thing that you did here. And you've each got a unique perspective on it. So I thought, what if I got the story from all three of you inside of the same week? So oh, that's, it would probably be completely different stories from each one of us. <laughs> that's that's kind of what I'm hoping for. So like yeah. the notes for all these shows are very similar. Um, I already recorded my episode with Jim, so I might be able to use him for a reference on this. But look, if you guys listen to this and you hear it, uh, check out Everybody's Got a Pod in the Hacksaw Hour to get the full story behind Royal Rumble 1989. So, uh, Jake, with that out of the way, you ready to dig into these notes? Let's do it. Let's do it. So uh, there's plenty going on since last we left off at Survivor Series 88. And we're going to start by looking at some of the stuff happening inside the company. Uh, firstly, in December 88, the former Sheep Herders are going to debut with the WWF as the as the Bushwhackers. Jake, had you ever spent any time around these guys during the Sheep Herder days? I had. And okay. What a, what a rough, tough, rumble-tumble, street fight guys they were. And when they came in and started doing all that stuff they were doing, I'm like, who the fuck is that? And Why? And what are they fucking doing? And I thought it was just insane. But it got over. Yep. It got over big time. And uh, hell, it, it added years to their careers, man, because uh, their style was so rough, man, on the body. They, they were like street fighting completely, you know, and uh, it was rough on them. Took its toll. And I mean, now they're coming in here and it's like, you know, you mentioned it before yourself where you're going from Mid-South blood and guts, Jake, to now yeah. all of a sudden you're, you know, you're carrying a snake. You're still the same dude like on the mic and in the ring, but the blood and guts stuff is uh, not existent in this world, no. right? Yeah, it wasn't, man. It was easy. Well, and uh, I mean, you see these guys, uh, the Bushwhackers, and, uh, you know, obviously it's they're, they're the same dudes outside of the ring. They're yeah. just very different inside. Uh, yeah, did, you get this, did you get to spend a lot of time with them, like the bars, partying, stuff like that? Oh, yeah. I spent a little time with Butch and Luke. Yeah. Whoa. Yay. Uh, yeah. I went through it. <laughs> Licking people's heads at the bar. Yeah. They kept away from me. <laughs> that's probably a good thing 
Yeah, and then like kind of licking on tab of acid if they lick me, you know. <laughs> you're like you're like one of those poison frogs out in the in the yeah. rainforest. There you go. <laughs> uh, during this time, do you believe it was easier for wrestlers to make such a drastic change in presentation without blowback from the wrestling audience who'd come to know them so well? Yeah, I was, man. You know, the TV was so strong. You know, that's the whole thing. You're going to eat what you're fed. And so they feed you whatever they want to on television, and that's what you're going to eat up. Yep. And, you know, like, I think that a lot of the old school fans are like, oh, they were so much better as the sheep herders, and they were kind of like the original, like, hardcore type guys. And it's like, maybe, <sighs> maybe, like, it's fun to watch, but, like, it real realistically, their legacy is the Bushwhackers. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, man. They, uh, they got over huge, man. The kids loved them. They were a lot like Hacksaw, who was getting yeah. really big at this time, too. Just yeah. out there wild and brawlers. They're not going to put on any technical masterpieces, but they no. will entertain you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another entertaining guy that's here is Outlaw Ron Bass, but he's going to be winding things down with the company. And he's going to wrap things up completely after the Royal Rumble. I know that you had worked with Ron in Mid-Atlantic a little bit, and I'm guessing that you yeah. probably spent some time with him at other points in your career along the way. I bumped into him a few times. Yeah. Uh, I've heard he had a great, great sense of humor. What can you tell us about Ron and your experiences with oh, him? Oh, he was a good guy, man. He was solid, good guy. You know, wouldn't hurt a flea. My type of guy. I like Ron, too. Um, uh, kind of an underrated star, and I, I think a dude who probably deserves a Hall of Fame nod. It would be nice. No question about it. Uh, another guy on his way out the door here after the Rumble is Harley Race. As I mentioned on the last episode, he's just coming back from an injury and looking pretty good by all reports, but he's going to cite road fatigue working for Vince. As a reminder, we're talking about the former NWA traveling world champion Harley Race, yeah. and he's saying that he's citing road fatigue with the WWF. Yeah. I mean, that travel schedule must have been fucking brutal if he's thrown in the oh, towel, right? It was brutal, man. I mean, you woke up in a different city every day, man, you know. And the first thing you did when you woke up was get your ass to the airport, you know. Then you'd fly somewhere. And uh, I swear to God, I think they did the booking for the dartboard. You know, <laughs> just, you know, San Diego to Miami, Miami to Portland, Oregon, Portland, Oregon to Portland, Maine, <sighs> Portland, Maine to Houston. You know, what the fuck, man? How often were you waking up, like, just looking around the hotel room, like, where the hell am I? Oh, yeah, a lot. A oh, lot. I can't imagine it. Yeah, it was brutal. Um, how hard do you think the adjustment was for Harley to go from the territory system where he was part owner uh, to yeah. now being an employee for Vince? Do you think it was tough? I, I don't think that part was tough for him. I think the, you know, just the travel got to him mm -hmm. because, uh you know, he, he wasn't used to working seven days a week. Okay. And then she worked seven days a week, twice on Saturday, twice on Sunday. And that's what got Harley. Okay. So as the NWA champion, he's not working seven days a week, maybe like no. two or three times a week. Yeah. Yeah. And he'd have days off. Now it's coming together. Okay. Yeah. So the travel is probably similar, but now instead of working only a few times a week, he's killing himself every single day. Right. He'd go into a territory and work two or three dates in that territory. So there wasn't much travel. You know, you drill it by car. It was easy. Easy peasy. 
whole other world there working for Vince. That that helps put it in perspective. That's great. Um, now, did I, I'm just wondering while we're here talking about Harley, did you ever hear the story of Harley threatening to kill Hulk Hogan? No, I didn't. Okay, so apparently the WWF was stealing business from his territory when he was the head of Kansas City, and yeah. allegedly he he actually I think he came into the a locker room and threatened Hogan with a gun. For no shit. <laughs> I'm gonna have to check back in on this story because I don't have the full thing here in the notes, but yeah, apparently uh, he I don't know why he decided to come after Hogan with a gun. Probably Vince was the better answer, but yeah, uh, I guess if you can't get to Vince, his top draw is a decent way to go. Yeah, yeah, I mean. That would certainly change things up. <laughs> um, well, additionally, how close were you with Harley during this time? I know that you and he had a great relationship, you know, back in, I think it was your Calgary days, right? Yeah, Calgary. Uh, I'd bump into him. We'd talk a little bit. That's about it. Did he I ever hang with him. Did he ever, like, voice his opinion on this new presentation in wrestling? Because it is it is light and, or night and day from what he was doing previously in his career. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he, he spoke up a few times. But, you know, it was, it was sad, too, you know, because you look at a guy that, that went out there and really did the tough work, you know, 90-minute matches, 60-minute matches every night, and uh, really did the groundwork, you know, and you look at it, and here he's done that his whole life, and now all of a sudden he's jet airplaning around and doing half the work in the ring. Uh-huh. But the hardest part was the travel. That was what hurt you. The travel? The constant travel. I can't imagine that he was like crazy about the King Harley thing either, because he was just, I mean, he, as you said, he used to be like the 60 minute wrestler's wrestler guy, and now he's Tough here. Guy. Yeah, a character. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he did. It, it put a nasty taste in his mouth. I'm hard to blame him. Uh, I mean, you know, this is this is right when the territories are getting ready to die. And, you know, yeah. he's a territory guy now being forced into a kind of a cartoon role to continue his career. It's like, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily blame him for wanting to hang it up. Yeah. Um, well, he's going to finish up uh, at the Royal Rumble, losing his title to uh, Haku, making Haku the king. By all accounts, Haku is a certified badass, but so is Harley. Jake, hypothetically, uh, fist yeah. fight. Who, who wins the fist fight? Haku. <laughs> what about young Harley Race, not Harley? Haku. <laughs> Any era of Haku. Haku. <laughs> the moment he was born, Haku. <laughs> He uh he actually gets into legal trouble stemming from him biting off a guy's nose at this time yeah. as well. I was I know. there. I was there. We, you, you witnessed him biting a man's nose. I witnessed nose it. Off? I witnessed it. Do you finish yeah. your drink or just leave the bar? <laughs> uh, I I got a beer. <laughs> oh, you were like, let's let's have a show. I was like, fuck, I gotta have a beer after that shit. <laughs> yeah, to try to wipe that from my memory. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, is it like you can like? It's a weird question, but like just... Oh, he bit it off, man. There was just two holes there. Oh, my God. He bit the whole fucking nose off. And like the the night doesn't come grinding to a halt. You're like, holy shit. Okay, I'm going to take a beer. Yeah. (laughs) I know you're in trouble. (laughs) Just a different time. Bet you won't be nosy. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably not going to have much of a sense of smell moving forward either. No. Holy shit. 
Um, well, you had mentioned before that your travel was crazy, particularly when you were working with Steamboat in 86. Now we're yeah. coming into 89 here and you're programmed with Andre. Would you say that the schedule was different, you know, with you being paired with Andre? Yeah, a little bit. Okay, how so? A little bit easier. Um, well, Andre was not in the best of health. His back had continued yeah. to be an issue at this time. So I'm guessing that that was a big part of it. Um, I mean, apparently even in first class, uh, you know, those big seats, he's, yeah. he's still struggling because of his, his size. Um, yeah. so, I mean, Andre's looked at is like one of the most respected guys ever in the locker room. Like one of those like yeah. stoic kind of impenetrable figures. Was he selling it when he's backstage or like keep no. those doors? Never, never. Wow. Never heard him complain once. Wow. Not once. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I mean, I know that your strategy was always to kind of keep him close to the rope so he could support yeah. himself and get himself yeah. up. Uh, was that ever something that you would, because if he's not selling it, does that mean that he's not discussing this with you, like how to help him out in the ring? No, he never discussed it with me. I just did it. Okay. You just knew what to do. Yeah. Yeah. He thanked me for it. Okay. So well, he didn't I mean, ask you for it, but he recognized you were doing it. Yeah, Absolutely. How did you know to do it, Jake? I was told a long time ago, you never expose somebody's weakness. Mm. Because if you do, then you're, you're beating a lesser man. You know, you want to accentuate the guy's positive and make him the biggest, baddest son of a bitch on the planet. That way, if you beat him, you beat somebody. Okay. So knowing that Andre was struggling with his back, you know, he, even even if you didn't know, you could tell when he walked that he was hurting. You know, just by the way he walked. Yeah. So, what do you do? You don't do shit that'll fucking make him bend over, get down on his knees, get him back up. Giants don't need to do that shit anyway. That's true. You should be the one who's doing like all of the bumping around the ring, right? Fuck yeah, man. And you at this time, as we mentioned before, you're uh, getting ready to go to neck surgery here uh, later yeah. in the same year. So, like, yeah. you're, you're not exactly in the best of, of health either, but, you know, no, you're, hurt. you're doing what you need to do to make sure that these matches come off right. Yeah. Um, so I've heard about guys in these days going town to town doing essentially the same exact match night after night because it's, you know, yeah. this is before the Internet. So it's you can get right. away with that stuff. Is that what you and Andre were doing or did you have uh, variations? We had variations. We just go out there and just do whatever we came up with. You know, I knew I knew two or three things that he liked to do, so I'd put myself in position for them. 
Sometimes he'd do them, sometimes he wouldn't. Okay, so it's like kind of just feeling out the audience and yeah. depending on the mood that Andre is in, I'm guessing. Exactly. How much vodka was in the tank? <laughs> I'm guess yeah, I'm guessing that would probably influence things a little bit. Yeah. Um, a guy who's going to retire here in 1988 and then make his return by the end of the year is Big John Studd. And Bruce Pritchard has said that Studd maybe didn't realize that when you take yourself out of the game, you stop making money, which is a pretty funny quote from Bruce. Yeah. Um, Studd is, of course, going to be the guest ref for your match with Andre at WrestleMania, and he's going right. to work with Andre after you. Um, yeah. So I've, I've heard that he's a guy whose heart really was not in the business. What can you tell us about John? <sighs> John was a good guy, man, and uh, Andre hated him, hated him, so he would beat the fuck out of John. Well, on an interview one time, Stud called Andre nothing but a circus freak. Oh, boy. And that didn't sit well with Andre. So he would go out and toss big John Stud around. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, John Studd, who's what, seven foot one? Yeah, four fifty. <laughs> and toss him around. Oh my God. Just a play thing to a guy like Andre. Yeah, yeah. It was hard to watch, man, because it was painful. <laughs> you know? Was that like prior to this that they had had issues or going into this program? No, it was prior. Oh, man. Okay, so now if Studd's getting paired with him again, he's probably like, shit. Oh, yeah, he was fucking dreading it. <laughs> Hard to blame him. But Andre wanted him, so that was that. Okay, so Andre wasn't finished with him quite yet. Exactly. Well, John is returning here to a big push, and he's going to win the Royal Rumble here in 89. In your mind, was it pushing a little bit too hard to put a guy like Stud in that position, or was he the right guy for the spot at this time? I think he was the right guy at the time. They wanted to put him with Andre, so you got to do it, man. You gotta give him something to chew on. <laughs> did you feel like Stud was a guy who, like, maybe had more potential he didn't get to reach, or did, I mean, was what, I what, think you they, what you got? I think he's, what you saw is what you got. Okay. John wasn't lightning quick thinker. He wasn't real sharp. He was the dullest knife in the drawer, <laughs> <laughs> like a butter knife. <laughs> Like a big guy, he's coming in a big, scary package, but just maybe not quite the right mind for the business. Yeah, he wasn't a gorilla. Thank God he wasn't. He'd been killing people. Uh, Imagine a guy like that being aggressive. Yeah, he'd be scary. Yeah, he'd be scary. Well, as I mentioned, and and we talked about here a little bit, I mean, the travel's crazy, and you're working your ass off at this time, because if you don't work, obviously, you don't get paid, as Bruce pointed out. Yeah, that's funny. (laughs) <laughs> so weird how that works just like a normal job unbelievable uh, are you, so at this time jake are you sending money home to cheryl and allowing her to manage it or are you just trying to strike some kind of a budget of your own on the road or how are you keeping track of everything i'm not keeping track of shit <laughs> <laughs> cheryl was cheryl was taking care of everything so it's you amazing. just send home the yeah. checks and handle it well they went straight to the house you got know? to checks checks went straight to the house and uh you know, I'd be gone for, you know, a month and two months at a time. Oh, man. I mean, brutal, especially when you consider that not everything is being paid for by the WWF. You were paying for your own rental cars and hotels, right? Yeah, absolutely. 
how much do you think you would spend in a calendar year on just hotels and rental? I have, I haven't, I haven't calculated that up, but you might as well figure a hundred dollars a night for a hotel and 60 for a rental car back then. Oh my God. So 160 every day, man, that is a lot, a lot of money going out the window. Oh yeah. Um, did you always try to get, or did you, did you try to get a particular type of rental car or were you just taking yeah. whatever was cheapest? No, I, I, I spent money on a rental car. Okay. So what was your car of choice? Lincoln. Okay. Something big. Town car. Yeah. If I've got to travel, I want something that's comfortable. And speaking of being comfortable, how about the hotels? Are you roughing it or are you trying are you saying, Hey, I'm making Marriott's. a good spot. Okay. So Marriott's. A decent enough spot. Yeah. Um, I just spoke to Ted about travel recently on our show, and he revealed the guy who he thought was the biggest cheapskate ever in wrestling. Before I tell you who he's who he said, I have to ask you, who is the biggest cheapskate or most frugal guy ever? Macho. <laughs> That's what he said too. Macho man. What did you see with Savage? He wouldn't even get a hotel. <laughs> He'd go to the airport and sleep. <laughs> Ted was like, yeah, he would uh, he would sleep at the airport, as you said, yeah. or he said, like, you would also sometimes see him sleeping in a rental car. And I was like, oh, man, Savage in a rental car. He was like, yeah, with Liz. And I'm like, wait a yeah. minute. He's forcing yeah. his wife to sleep in a car. Yeah. Now, that is crazy. That is next level frugal. Yeah, that's just fucking insane. He used to have the march driving around. Oh, really? Yeah, when he got the title, Vince told him he couldn't do that anymore. <laughs> Why? You want your world champion riding around in a 62 fucking Volvo or a Volkswagen with two fucking, a Volkswagen van with with flowers painted on the side? No, you don't want him in that. Did you ever ride with the fans? Hell no. 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 So what was stopping you? Because it's a big money saver. What, what made you decide against it? Just the constant questions. Ah, uh, I got you. Just, you know, what, what about this? What about that? What about this? What about that? What would you do if he did this? Uh... So you'd be like sitting there trying to sleep and they're peppering you. With... Right. Oh, uh, yeah. No, thanks. Right. Well, at this time, the WWF is running three towns a night. Hogan and Bossman are working on top of the A card. Macho is working with just essentially whoever on the B shows. And yourself and Andre are headlining C, C towns such as Bristol, Tennessee, Oklahoma City, Pensacola, Portland. Yeah. Um, Andre's a massive star, and you've become a household name yourself by this point in your career as yeah. well. So even though these were C towns, was it a good audience? Were you drawn oh, a big yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Did real I mean, well. I mean, you see Jake the Snake and Andre are coming to your town. I can't imagine a lot of people not going to that. Oh, yeah. Um, payoffs on C-Towns. Good? Fair. It's it's weird because you're working on top against fucking the eighth wonder of the world, Andre. Uh, yeah. So it's like, okay, in theory, it should be good money. However, it is a smaller town. so. Uh, you make good money. Um, of note, on January 8th, the WWF ran the Charlotte Coliseum in Charlotte, North Carolina. This is the first time the WWF came to this town, which uh, historically the WWF did not do well in Crockett country. But 
This event is bringing in 13,500 fans. The card includes eight matches, but the big ones are Arn and Tully versus the Rockers, DiBiase and Hercules, yourself and Andre in the semi-main, and Hogan and Bossman on top. So this card is a combination of talent that worked A, B, and C towns. Um, and I mean, it's loaded with Hall of Fame talent. So, Jake, I'll ask you, do you think this had more to do with trying to make an impression when running a new venue or has been trying to make a statement in Crockett country? Make a statement that I don't I've never met Vince, but based on what I've heard, that sounds like something yeah. he would want to do. Yeah, he wanted to show him it's this is mine. Well, speaking of Vince trying to one-up the Crockett's, the Royal Rumble was an event created by Pat Patterson, and this is the second installment. As a reminder to our listeners, the Rumble was created to directly compete against Jim Crockett Promotions' Bunkhouse Stampede pay-per-view because Vince wanted to be the king of pay-per-view, and he essentially threatened the uh, pay-per-view providers by saying, if you carry theirs and don't carry mine, you won't get WrestleMania four. After a massive WrestleMania three, these pay-per-view providers are like, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever you want, sure. Yeah. So, so Vince is like strong arming people. And, you know, Jake, I'm wondering, you know, you're a smart businessman, but you're also a guy who grew up in the territory system. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've heard a lot of folks say that competition is a good thing in wrestling. How did you think uh, or what did you feel about these sabotage tactics? I just showed me what a vicious son of a bitch Vince was. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, it, 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 it tells you a lot about the man, you know. And his intentions. And his intentions was to crush everyone. Everyone. So he had the only game in town. And that's what he did. I mean, it's like, you know, yes, it's competition. Yep, you're running a business and these are business competitors. But this is, you know, these, these, it's a family owned operation. Both of them are. Um, And you're essentially like, you know, trying to run, bankrupt these people. Yeah. So pretty brutal. I mean, you know, if it's you running a territory, do you think you'd be satisfied just being in a territory or are you looking to dominate the way that Vince is? I'd like to dominate. Okay. You know, but I would welcome uh, some type of uh, competition. Because I think competition is good for everybody. Hell yeah. You know, I think a second wrestling company is, is, is great. It's great for the talent and it's box office. Forces everybody to up their game. Damn straight. Um, even here in 1989, would you say you were, you were starting to see the writing on the wall for the territory days? Oh yeah. Yeah. It was over disappointing or or when you're working on top it doesn't hit quite as hard it's disappointing because you realized you know i looked ahead to see what it was going to cost us and uh one thing it cost was uh it was there was no longer a breeding ground for new talent Mm. you know for guys that are starting there was no place to go and uh that was sad real sad And I think a a few years later, we all paid for that. Yep. And uh, there was a lull in the business simply because there was no fresh blood. Nothing new was coming through. It was all the same old shit. 
that's something I want our listeners to think about a little bit is, you know, like it, all of a sudden you're going from you're, you're getting competitors that are working every night on the road and then going jumping into a new territory and learning over there. So now all of a sudden you're getting guys who maybe worked like 150 times that year. Shit, she'd be with guys who wrestled 10 times that year. <laughs> I mean, a mass like Jake honed his skills and became Jake the Snake because he got to learn from people, different territories, yeah. working all the time, riding in the cars and hearing the stories. That's how you became Jake the Snake Roberts. And yes. now it's like it's just the faucets turned off. Yeah, nothing's going to come out, man. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news. So don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like y'all. Us Days at U.S. Cellular. Exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers could get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Visit uscellular.com for terms and restrictions. What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Very different world. Um, all right, so we're getting to the Royal Rumble here. Uh, you've done plenty of battle royals over the years, Jake, but now this is a whole other thing with the Royal Rumble. What did you think about these entrances separated by 90 seconds or two minutes or whatever? Two minutes was too long. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Why is that? Because if he came in there number one and stayed till the end, <laughs> what tired son of a bitch. Okay. That's a really good point. And I had to put some time in some of those. Yes, you did. Um, I can't remember what year it was, but you were in there for a hell of a long time. Yeah, I was in there for like 40 minutes, man, and fuck that. Just take a bump in the corner and just sit there. I would hide. The, I would hide in the corner. <laughs> it's funny because I had asked you your Royal Rumble strategy uh, probably yeah, about a year ago. And so what's funny is a couple weeks ago, I asked Ted the same thing. He was like, oh, I always got to the corner. I'm like, really? That's what Jake said. And so last week I spoke to Jim about this event. And I was like, hey, I asked Jake and I asked Ted, what's your Royal Rumble strategy? He's like, oh, I get in the corner. And I'm like, so everybody's just trying to fight their way into a corner. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> it's just hilarious picturing everybody grabbing their opponent and trying to back into the corner. Absolutely. Uh, well, we'll get to your match or your involvement here in a minute. Before we do, Jake, I do not want to let this episode slip by without asking you about this, which could be a candidate for WrestleCrap, in my opinion. Uh, the Ultimate Warrior and Rick Rude are starting their rivalry in early 89, and they're here at the Rumble facing off, but it's not in a match. They are in a pose-off, Jake. Oh, yeah. Uh, so after growing up in wrestling, as we've talked about, admiring guys like Danny Hodge, you're paying your dues in these violent, bloody matches across America, Japan. What did you think about two oiled up dudes posing in the ring, Jake? I thought I want to jack off for a while. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much the answer I was hoping for. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Ah. Uh. 
it's I mean, this is this is a major pay-per-view now at this point. Yes, it's only the second year, but it's one of like the kind of tentpole pay-per-views in the in the uh, in the era. And you're taking up valuable pay-per-view time with guys posing at each other. Yeah. It I don't was, know, man. It was wonderful. I don't know. I, is it better to have the pose off with Warrior or put Warrior in a match? Pose off. <laughs> There we go. That's that's a payoff on the question I was really hoping to get to. Yeah. Um, all right. Speaking of getting to things, let's get to the Rumble itself. You're going to come in at number seven, and this is not a very long Royal Rumble for you because you're going to no. be eliminated by Andre in just two and a half minutes. So Yeah, it's perfect. In and out, quick night, but your night is not over yet, Jake. Uh, let's have a no. look at Andre's unique elimination that night at, at the hands of yourself and Damien. Listeners can follow along with the link we'll provide in the description of the episode because uh, WWE made it available on YouTube. Here we go. All right. So Andre's in the corner working over Outlaw. We've got uh, Kurt Hennig in the background with Shawn Michaels, which is really cool. And... Uh, all right, we've got the countdown going now. We're at six seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. And who we have here? Okay, it's Bushwhacker Butch stomping on down to the ring. You can see the fans starting to stand up and look too. Not just for Butch, there's something else going on. Which is in there like a house of fire. Here's what the fans are looking at. It's Jake the Snake. You're throwing Damien into the ring. And here you come after Andre. There goes Andre. He eliminates himself. <laughs> oh, man. Look at that reaction from the crowd. So Andre's out of here. Everybody in the ring is in shock. Nope. Andre's taking his ball and going home. All right, so there was a moment that still gets referenced a lot when people talk about the Royal Rumble. It's a pretty cool, yeah. iconic thing. What do you think 35 years later, Jake? Uh, I think it was great thinking. That begs the question, did you come up with this? No. No? Who did? It was a natural. Okay. Yeah, it was a natural. It was, everybody guessed that. I mean, it's it's brilliant, especially because Andre was kind of like the king of battle royals. Nobody ever eliminated yeah. Andre by themselves. Right. Um, and now you're not even touching him, and you're forcing him to eliminate himself. It's just brilliant stuff. Took a pretty good bump getting out of there. Like, you saw him kind of hobbling over, so watching him try to... That's his version of, like, running, I guess. Like, yeah. watching that happen, I'm like, I don't know how this is going to go, him bailing out. But no, he did a good job. Yeah, he did a good job, man. Not too bad for a guy who's in a lot of pain. How many bottles of wine do you think that night, if you had to guess? Oh, probably five or six and a bottle of vodka. <laughs> Just to get started. Yeah. Um, man, it was really cool. Uh, let's hit a couple of fan questions, and then I'll let you go, Jake. Uh, right. First up, we've got Adam Krasnoff, who asks, at this point, did you know what the plans were for you going into WrestleMania five? No. So, I mean, you know, WrestleMania, massive, massive show. Uh, I mean, is it like, uh, how, how long before WrestleMania are you finding out what their ideas are for you? Oh, a couple of weeks. Wow. Okay. So it's, they're kind of booking this shit on the fly. Oh yeah. Um, kind of weird that big John stud is selected to win the rumble here only to go on to become a guest referee in your match with Andre. Do you have any yeah. idea why they selected him to do that? 
to give me a chance. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I got you. So you've got a baby face, face big John stud on your side. Okay. Now it's making sense. Um, last question, Philip France asks a good one here. So we're talking about how they're kind of booking you last minute. This is the opposite end of the spectrum. The mega power storyline is getting ready to come to a head at WrestleMania five. And it was something the company had been building for an entire year. What did Jake think about a program being extended for so long? So it's a good point, Jake, you know, here they are getting ready to book you whatever a week or two ahead of WrestleMania, but this is a story they've been, they've been telling for uh, close to a year now. Well, I think it's, that's the way it should be booked. You know, that's the way it should be good, would be booked. You, you come up with an idea, then you play with it that whole year. Build it, build it, build it, build it. That way there's a crescendo at the end, man, where everybody blows their nut, you know. The mega powers explode. That's um, it. <laughs> so it's, look, it, you and I have talked about your favorite angles involving you. Um, so this Mega Power storyline, a lot of fans, even to this day, will say it's the greatest storyline ever in wrestling because they extended it for so long. Objectively, Jake, what not involving you, what would you say is the greatest wrestling storyline you've ever seen? Oh, God, man. There's way too many of them, man. I too many to come up with? Oh, God, yeah. I won't even try. Not the Mega Power story, though? No, no. <laughs> well it was worth a shot that is going to wrap us up for this week next week we're dr- we're dipping our toes back into the mid-atlantic waters with a look back to oh boy 81 good uh and the week after that we're going to close out january with another ask jake anything so good stuff ahead as always my friend uh, i love it guys keep keep coming guys just want to remind you all before we go that if you're looking to attract that 25 to 54-year-old male demographic to your product or service, you've got to hit advertisewithsnake.com. Jake was just back on AEW Dynamite and Collision this past week, and if you listen to that audience, they went absolutely nuts for the legendary Jake Roberts. He's still a household name, guys. He's got unbelievable loyal fans, and you can get him to put over your stuff to that exact demographic. If you need evidence that it works, just listen to our show. We are always advertising for the same folks because once they advertise with us, they start to realize that the methods that we use work and get results. So head to advertisewithsnake.com. Get teamed up with the Hall of Famer, Jake the Snake Roberts. JakeTheSnakeShop.com has got all kinds of great collectibles straight from the man himself. Right now, you can purchase an 8x10 of him and Cheryl, and it's signed by both of them. An autographed picture of wrestling's greatest power couple right as we're coming into Valentine's season. Come on, you know your collection isn't complete without it. Go right now to JakeTheSnakeShop.com and pick yours up today. Get over to Cameo.com forward slash JakeSnake if you want a personal message, a promo, a birthday wish, or just want to say hi to the legendary Jake Roberts. Here's a recent review from Todd. Awesome. Done in a day and done thoughtfully. Thanks, Jake. You're going to make a grown man happy today. You get these cameos quickly, and you get a ton of effort from one of the very best who does them. Jake loves doing these. He loves having the chance to interact with fans. And if you're a lifelong fan, you owe it to yourself to check this out. Again, it's cameo.com slash jakesnake. Order yours today. Get over to the Snake Pit page at boxofgimmicks.com and check out the awesome vintage style merch we have there. I've mentioned it before that I'm a child of the 80s and 90s, and I know that a lot of people like me really miss that awesome style from that era. 
Well, I've worked hard to recapture that look on our merch page, and I think we've absolutely nailed it over there. You've got to check it out. We've got some modern updates on classic Jake shirts, tributes to the WrestleFest game, and so much more. Plus, rumor has it, we're looking to add a little something for Valentine's Day, so stay tuned for that. Seriously, just go and take a look, and I have a feeling you're going to find something you like. Again, it's the Snake Pit page at boxofgimmicks.com. Check us out on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash at Snake Pit Pod for short clips from the show, some highlights, and exclusive content. Reminder, we recently dropped the WCCW bonus episode with Baby Doll on our page. It's a YouTube exclusive episode, and it's the perfect companion piece, not only for our coverage of WCCW here on the show, but also the recently released Iron Claw movie. So if you want even more valuable context behind the story that's becoming famous, you'll love what we've done there. You won't be able to hear it anywhere else, so get over there right now, check it out, and do us a huge favor by subscribing. Speaking of YouTube, I announced on the latest episode of my podcast with Ted DiBiase, Everybody's Got a Pod, that we are doing something huge on that YouTube page. I've been doing the Hacksaw Hour with Jim Duggan exclusively on ad-free shows, but Jim and I wanted to grow our audience. With that being the case, we've moved the podcast exclusively to the Everybody's Got a Pod YouTube page. So the first eight episodes will still be available exclusively at adfreeshows.com. So you've got to go subscribe and check those out. But every episode moving forward will be on a channel that now has two Hall of Famers providing content. Uh, By the way, Jim is bringing more than just the Hacksaw Hour to the channel. He's providing videos of his day-to-day activities, and the most recent one gives fans a tour of his home in South Carolina. And let me say, in just one day, it had more than 100,000 views, and it's still growing. So go do yourself a favor and check it out, and make sure to subscribe to the page for more videos like that and the continuation of Jim's podcast, The Hacksaw Hour. Speaking of my podcast with Ted, we were just nominated for an award. The Sports Podcast Awards have made us one of their finalists for the Best Wrestling Podcast, and we need your vote to help us win it all. Just go to sportspodcastgroup.com, find us under the wrestling category, and cast your vote. It'll do us a huge favor. It only takes a couple minutes, so if you enjoy what I'm doing here on this show, and if you're a listener to Ted's podcast, please help us out. Also, if you've enjoyed The Snake Pit, please like, subscribe, and leave us a five-star review on all platforms. That does Jake and I a big favor. And just a reminder, you can get The Snake Pit and all the other shows in our network early and ad-free at adfreeshows.com, starting at just $9. That's less than $0.15 an episode each month. Plus, tons of bonus content, interactive chats with your favorite hosts and wrestling personalities, and so much more. Ad-Free Shows just added a new series, Beyond Nitro, with Guy Evans, the author of The Nitro Book. Guy is on AFS providing an even deeper look into the key elements, themes, and stories discussed in the book. If you're a fan of the Monday Night Wars era of wrestling, you're going to want to check it out. Not to mention, you get access to shows like Tuesdays with the Taskmaster with Kevin Sullivan, Lex Express with Lex Luger, the Monday Mailbag with Mike Chioda, and so much more. Seriously, get over there and sign up because you are missing out on some great content if you're not part of the ad-free shows family. Catch Jake on X at Jake Snake DDT, on Instagram at Jake the Snake DDT, and on Facebook at Real Jake the Snake. You can follow me at Marcus P. D'Angelo on X, and you can follow the podcast at Snake Pit Pod on all social media platforms. What an awesome podcast getting to talk to Jake about 35 years ago in the WWF and a really iconic period of time in his career, one of his greatest rivalries. We'll be back next week to talk about Mid-Atlantic right here on the Snake Pit. 
Okay, guys, we all know that New Year's resolutions are hard, but saving money is easy with SaveWithConrad.com. You don't need perfect credit or money out of pocket, but if you've got credit card debt, you can get rid of it just like that and skip your next two house payments. That's right. No payments until April at SaveWithConrad.com. The team at Save With Conrad are routinely helping families just like yours save five, six, seven, even $800 per month. Find out how much money you can save for free at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 32416, equal housing lender. That's SaveWithConrad.com. 